Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. The Protestant faith first appeared in Scotland at the beginning of the 15th century, when the Lollard followers of John Wycliffe fled persecution in England and found their way across the border. In 1433, Paul Crowen, a Czech student at the University of St. Andrews, was arrested after it was revealed to authorities that he was a follower of John Huss. He was tried, convicted, and burned at the stake as a heretic. But two generations later, the ideas and books of Martin Luther began filtering into the university towns. Protestant tracts were smuggled into the port of Dundee, including uh, William Tyndall's English translation of the New Testament. Soon after, young men who had studied on the continent returned to their homes, bringing with them the doctrines of the Reformation. Patrick Hamilton was the great-grandson of King James II and the grandson of the powerful Duke of Albany. He went abroad, first to the University of Paris and then to Louvain, uh, to study under Erasmus. When he was on the continent, he read the works of Martin Luther, and he became a convinced Protestant. Returning to Scotland, he joined the faculty of the University of St. Andrews, but his preaching and teaching ran afoul of the local prelate, Cardinal James Beaton. In 1528, he was accused of heresy, and despite his noble pedigree, he too was martyred. George Wissert also studied in Louvain, where he was converted to the Reformed faith, Following his matriculation, he served as the schoolmaster at Montrose in Angus until he was brought before the Bishop of Brechin on charges of heresy in 1538. He fled south to England, but there too he was charged with heresy. Fleeing to the continent, he spent about 18 months in Geneva. In 1542, he returned to England to study and teach at Corpus Christi College at Cambridge. Uh, by now, a zealous Protestant, an able scholar, and a fine preacher, he was asked by several nobles sympathetic to the gospel cause to return to Scotland to launch a reforming work there. John Knox, a Catholic priest who was then tutoring at St. Andrews University, was attracted to Wizard's message. Knox offered to serve as a bodyguard for the evangelist. He'd been born in Haddington in East Lothian. He obtained a fine classical education, and at the age of 16, he was sent to pursue further studies at the University of Glasgow. Though he distinguished himself as an astute scholar, he left the university without obtaining a master's degree. He was ordained into the priesthood in 1530 and served as a pastor and notary in his home village before finding the message of George Wizard so compelling. 
Knox, carried with him a large double-edged sword and stood at Wizard's side as he preached to large crowds throughout Fife. The threat of persecution was ever-present, though. So Wizard somehow convinced Knox to return to the safety of his home. My warfare is near at an end, he said, but one sacrifice is enough. I bid thee return to thine own bairns. The next day, Cardinal Beaton had Wizard arrested, condemned as a heretic, and burned at the stake. His martyrdom provoked Knox's dramatic conversion. He would never be the same again, and neither would Scotland. Howard Voss relates that martyr's blood stirred many a heart in Bonnie, Scotland, and many a temper, too. Beaton's high-handed behavior enraged several nobles, and on May the 29th, 1546, 16 of these noblemen broke into St. Andrew's Castle, interrupting the cardinal's illicit tryst with his mistress, and slew him. Then they secured the castle against the local authorities. Because of his close personal ties with Wizard, Knox was now in danger, so he too sought refuge in the castle. It was there that the lairds issued a call to him to take up gospel ministry in their midst, whereat he would later write, he was abashed and burst forth in abundant tears. He began his preaching and teaching the following morning. But within the week, the Scots and French authorities had joined forces laying siege to the castle, unable to, to secure the defenses against them. The garrison was captured. The prisoners were conscripted to serve hard labor in French galleys. Knox was consigned to a life sentence as a prisoner of war. Despite the hardship of his incarceration, Knox continued to serve as a chaplain to his fellow prisoners. He was even able to edit somehow a little treatise on justification by faith, and he sent it to Scotland for publication addressed as the bound servant of Jesus Christ unto his best beloved brethren of the congregation of the castle of St. Andrews and to all professors of Christ's true evangel. Thanks to the intercessions of King Edward VI, Knox was finally released from his penury. He traveled to London, where he was received by the Lords of Council. During the next five years, he served the king as a chaplain and as a preacher. It was there that he pioneered so many of the worship practices that would mark the Puritans and the Covenanters in the years to come. In 1533, Knox learned that Edward was on his deathbed. Knowing that he would be in grave danger if the Catholic Mary Tudor came to the throne, he departed for exile on the continent. But his heart remained with the hope of the Reformation of Scotland. Now, John Knox uh, accepted John Calvin's invitation to pastor an English congregation in exile, first in Frankfurt, 
And then later in Geneva, many historians cite this as the birth of both English Puritanism and Scots Presbyterianism. It was during this time that he wrote a whole bookshelf full of books, including The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women, a polemic aimed at Mary Guise of Lorraine, the Regent Queen of Scotland, and Bloody Mary, the Queen of England. While his sojourn in Geneva was filled with blessing and grace, he never ceased to long for his homeland. His persistent heart cry was, Lord, give me Scotland, or I die. At long last, he could endure the separation from Bonnie Caledonia no longer. He departed from Geneva in January of 1559. The, the Reformation swept across the land in a torrent. Knox became the pastor of Giles Kirk, the great cathedral on High Street in Edinburgh. Within just a few months, the Scots Parliament renounced their allegiance to the rigid queen. Uh, then, uh, when she died the following June, they agreed to settle the ecclesiastical questions by an appeal to the Scots estates rather than to the throne. Though much intrigue, plotting, conspiracy, betrayals, and violence would ensue over the next 20 years before his death in 1572, Knox's heart cry was gloriously answered. As he lay dying, he asked for the 17th chapter of John's gospel to be read aloud, saying, Go read where I cast my first anchor, referring to that day so many years earlier when as a poor Catholic cleric he first trusted in Christ. He died November the 24th, 1572, having faithfully undertaken the work of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net or adoringgod.org.